Father, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for all that's gone on this morning, for the worship, for the, the time of praying over my daughter, uh, Bella, heading out. And God, right now we're going to look at the word. And there isn't one of us in the room that doesn't need to discover you more deeply, God. So I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear what your spirit is saying to each one of us. And God, we pray the grace to adhere to it, to listen to it, to obey it, to walk in it. And I pray that we would discover something as we look at the, the life of Moses. So God, be with us right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's kind of funny for me because I'm already tired because I did worship. So I'm like, oh, come on. So how's everybody doing this morning? Okay, okay, good. You guys are kind of quiet. That was a pretty good response, though. So I, I was praying, and I really wanted to continue on. Like, we left off um, prior to Christmas in the book of Genesis. We studied the life of Joseph. Um, and when I was praying, I felt like the Lord said, keep going. Like, pick up the life of Moses primarily is what Exodus is about. So we're going to start a study going through the book of Exodus this morning. Now, when you think of the book of Exodus... Um, most of us are familiar with it because of the Red Sea, like the party of the Red Sea. God is going to lead the people out. But just as a little bit of background, um, Exodus is a book really of covenants. It, like, it, like we don't really get this from Genesis chapter 50 to Exodus chapter 2, when Moses is born, is about a 300-year span of time. Now, now, when they left off with Joseph, I don't know if you guys remember this, there were 76 people that were Israelites. Okay, fast forward 300 years, there's over 600,000 men and over a million people. So to get context, it's like God has really been with them and he's been blessing them because God's a God of covenants and he promised Abraham that he would bear them into a promised land and he would bring them where they needed to go. Now, this morning's message is, is really like, I, I, like, who are we in relationship? Like, who am I? Who are you? Anybody have identity crisis? Help me. Anybody wonder, like, what's God up to? Who am I? Like, we always measure ourselves against other people. Well, you're going to see from Moses' life, there's a lot of things we can take away and go, man, he's no different than us. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Moses is regarded as probably one of the most prominent or efficient leaders that ever lived. How many people that you know that led a million people through a desert? No thanks. Who were always complaining I can't lead my family, you know, holy cow. And there's not a million of them. I mean, you're talking about a way different type of a thing. So it's a book of covenants. It's a story of God's people. It's a story of Moses. But truthfully, it is the testimony of God's faithfulness. That's what the book of Exodus is really about. So when I teach topics like this, I always try to make them relate to you. Because you study something old, you kind of walk away and go, what does that mean for my life? Hopefully when we're done today, you'll get a couple things to think through about who you are in relationship to God. See, I don't know if you guys know this, but God's design is on attack right now. Hey, can you bring my volume up a little bit? Because I'm talking really loud. I'm going to wear my voice out. I can hear it in the speakers. I know what I sound like. So if I strain to talk, I'll be sound like this by the time service is over. So, so design, God's design is on trial right now. Thank you. Big difference for me. I don't have to strain. And we see that everywhere. Like we see it in, in, in gender, don't we? Yeah. Isn't gender on trial? We see it in sexuality. Yes. L listen, we, we see it in politics. You're like, wow, it's all, like how God designed and how he orchestrated. We see it, watch, in ethnicity. Listen, we promote these things higher than what God promoted them to be. You guys understand, like, this kind of idea of identity is all over. We see it in culture, politics. We see it, we see it this way, that Satan's goal is divide and conquer. And if I can get you to question who you really are, how God designed you, I win. That's how Satan would say it. But you got to understand this, that God calls us as believers to be unified. He says where there's unity, he'll command a what? A blessing, won't he? So he blesses unity. Well, this is all like, man, they, like we've got to be understanding as believers. This is a really, really critical time to be alive. Like we have the possibility to have more impact today than at any time in history, in my estimation. I know I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but if you look around, there's lots of opportunity to shine light for Jesus. Amen. All over the place. So, so listen, listen. When we re realize our identity, we walk with Jesus, we do a way better job than if we just kind of, you know, mosey through life. So identity. 
So I, I want to tell you a story. The story is my story, but I think some of the stuff as I do this, you'll probably connect to. Now, some of you guys know this about me. I'm the baby of 12 kids. You're like, yeah, my parents were crazy. Could you imagine 12 kids today? That would be a lot of kids. So 12 kids, the order of kids, seven boys, four girls, then me. No, I didn't get hand-me-downs. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> we weren't all girls' clothes. But, but listen, listen. My whole life, I was never known as James. When I went to school, I was Paul's little brother. Or I'd show up in a class, and I'd get something like this. You aren't JoJo's brother, are you? JoJo is a little bit of troublemaker. JoJo, if you're watching, I love you. We, we got in some trouble together, I'm just saying. You know, growing up, I grew up behind four girls. I played with Barbies. I did, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I played house. There's a picture floating around somewhere in my family of me dressed like a girl. No, I did not want that to happen, but we were playing. I did, it wasn't evil. There's lots, of, so my identity, like even like TV in my days, some of you guys will remember the bionic woman whose name was what? Jamie Summers. I wasn't James in my family, I was Jamie. Uh, my whole, James at 15, you guys remember this TV show, mid-70s? Mid None of you guys remember this, your name's not James. I got teased about that. My whole identity was wrapped around not knowing who I really was. So when I got old enough to try to figure that out, I did all kinds of stupid things. Anybody else ever did stupid things to fit in? By, by the way, we're going to see this in Moses' life too. By the way, you're going to see this in your own life. See, the idea is this, that God always, always calls people and he destines people. Like, you've got to understand that about God. There is not one of you sitting in the room that God has not placed a design and a destiny upon. Not one of you. Some of you think, oh, no, man, you don't know what I've done, Pastor. I messed up so badly. You just don't know. Apostle Paul was a murderer. Incidentally, so was Moses. I don't know. So they're pretty bad guys, I think. So don't count yourself out. So, so imagine for a moment you're Moses. God is calling you, and, and this is true of all of us. All of us are called. And in Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to start in 3, and I'm going to tell the story of 1 and 2, and we're going to wrap up. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 10, this is what it says. It says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. So remember, they started underneath Joseph, who was their son. He was the number one guy in Pharaoh's court. That Pharaoh dies. The people grow. 300 years have passed, and now they're slaves. He says, I'm aware of their sufferings. Verse 8, he says, so I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Parasite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. That's a lot of ites, isn't it? Verse 9, now behold, the cry of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I've seen their oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, watch, and I, I will send you to Pharaoh. Hello? so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now look at Moses' response, verse 11. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Listen, I'm going to tell you a little bit of Moses' story, but the who am I, isn't that every one of us? Doesn't every single person who God says, you, I want you to serve here, give here, do this. I, like Bella, you're going to go to Australia and I want you to grow in Christ, serve the people, love them. That's a big step. Elena's already at, at her YWAM. We've sent out other missionaries. It's amazing when people say yes. But man, that step to say yes, is that crazy? How many of you ever had God knock on the, your heart and say, I want you to do this? You go, me? I remember when he said, I want you to be a pastor. I was like, me? Like, you want me to do this? See, all of us face that. So did Moses. Face to face, he is like completely beside himself. What in the heck? So who was Moses? Let me tell you a little bit about Moses. Moses was an Israelite. That means he was from the nation of Israel. Moses was a Hebrew, which means that they said of them, they wander. They're people who travel. That's what that means. Moses was living in Egypt, but 
He was a man out of his own country, okay? So he's an Israelite living in Egypt. He's of the tribe of Levi, which is a priestly tribe. He was literally raised in Pharaoh's house. And Moses was a prince, listen, in the wrong castle. He's a prince in the wrong castle. God called him. He said, you, I want to now be a prince in the right castle. I want you to go rescue my people. I want you to bring them out. So we finished with the life of Joseph, and now we're going to step into the life of Moses. So now, to do this in a timely fashion, i got to tell the story. So I can't read the whole thing to you, but I'm going to read some of it. So you guys got to track with me. You ready to track with me? Okay. Yeah, like three of you. What about the rest of y'all? Yeah. You guys in the room? Okay, i got to know you guys are awake. You know, it's like we had a good time of worship. Sometimes you get a little sleepy when we fall in love with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So I got to make sure you guys are awake. So as we look at this, I want you to just kind of consider some of what's going on. So the, the, the Israelites are stationed in Egypt, and they've been there 300 years. And this is what it says in verse 7. Again, I'm just kind of telling the story. Verse 7 of chapter 1 now, it says, But the sons of Israel were fruitful. They increased greatly. They multiplied. They became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. Okay, so everywhere you look, there's God's people. Now, if you're a king and you've got slaves and your slaves are starting to become more mighty than your own people, what do you think you should do? Let's make it hard for them. So it says that they have taskmasters and these taskmasters, you know, they were, they were making bricks and when they were making bricks, they weren't even giving them what they needed to get the job done. And, and so the, the Pharaoh goes, man, we need to make sure they understand who's boss. That's what's going on. You ever had a boss that needed you to understand that he's the boss? Aren't those the worst bosses? They're the worst bosses. And that, that's kind of what's happening here. He's like, I need to make sure that they understand. So he, he sees them gaining power, and this is what he does. In verse 11, he says, so they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor, and they built, and they built for Pharaoh's storage cities and pit them in Ramses. He said, but, but the more they afflicted them, watch this, anytime God's in it, the more they multiplied. So listen, listen, listen. I want you to take some nuggets as we're going through this. I'm going to drop them on you as we're going through it. If you're in a season of affliction, prepare to be multiplied. You're like, oh, man, you're being that, like, sassy, encouraging televangelist preacher. No, no, no. I'm doing what God says. When people are in trouble and they, can't, they stay devoted to him, he does what? Multiplies. God is in the business of multiplication. You've got to understand that about him. Listen, church, let me say this differently to you, and I can jump back in. I've been praying, and I'm going to encourage you guys all to do the same. Somebody said this, and I think it was Vicki. We were in staff meeting, and she said, I'm asking God to give me my word for the year. And she didn't mean a word like a prophetic word. She mean a word, a single word. I'm like, really? She goes, I do that every year. I go, really? I go, That's kind of cool. So we kind of did it around the table at staff meeting. And for me, God keeps bringing up the word faith. I want you to walk in faith. Believe those things that aren't as though they were. It is impossible to please God without what? Faith. So listen, when you read this stuff, I want you to embrace it, listen, by faith. Because some of you are like, man, it's been bad for a long time, Pastor. You're crazy. There ain't no multiplication. It feels like the whole world's getting stolen from me. Okay, well, I get that. My house burned down, remember? I get it. I understand. I've been a vagabond for years. We now own a home. I, I get it. Trust me, I understand. I'm not saying my circumstances are yours, but I understand being in affliction and going, God, what in the heck? Like, did I really tick you off and you're just getting me back or what? Because it felt that way. But God says this, listen, I see their afflicted, affliction, and the more that they multiplied and the more they spread out so that, that, that Egypt even became more in dread of Israel. So, so the Pharaoh decides to attack them, and so now he even makes it hard. He says, make them work harder. And if that's not enough, okay, fine then. If we can't get them by making it harder, let's just kill their babies. Sound like America a little bit? Oh, wait, I didn't say that. Maybe I did. Doesn't it sound like that? When you promote evil and call it equity, we're in a dangerous place in our country. Listen, you guys need to get this. If you don't think God is going to plead the cause of unborn babies, we're sadly mistaken if we don't think that's the case. 
Now, I say this anytime I say this. Listen, if you have had an abortion or you have done something like that, doesn't mean the grace of God came short for you. Doesn't mean that. It means there's a journey of restoration and healing. That's what it means. But God definitely is going to judge America for this. There's no way he doesn't. You know, I love what Billy Graham said. If God doesn't judge America, he's got to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I think that's accurate. So listen, listen. If we don't recognize those things as the church, we put our heads in the sand. We never have an impact on people outside to say, hey, there's a better way to do this. So Pharaoh does this. Make their work hard. Okay, fine. We can't get them that way because they keep multiplying. Let's just kill their babies. So he says, listen, listen. As, as the babies are being born, if it comes out a boy, let's just kill it. Could you imagine being a doctor and you've been charged by every baby born that's a boy, you need to kill it as it's coming out of the womb. Wow, that's crazy. So watch what the midwives do. Verse 15, it says, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. He said, one of them named, uh, that's a hard name, and, and the other named Pua, that's an easy name. And he said, when you're helping the Hebrew women give birth and you're upon the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall put it to death. But if it's a daughter, then you, sh you shall let it live. Verse 17, he says, but the midwives feared God and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them but they let the boys live. Listen, even when somebody commands you to do something that violates God, don't do it. Amen. Just because it's legal does not make it what? Right. Doesn't make it right. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, hey, why haven't you done these things? Why are you letting the boys live? Watch their answer. And, and, and just in my honest estimation, I'm reading the passage at face value. This sounds like a lie to me. Watch, watch. Tell me if it doesn't to you. The midwives say to Pharaoh, hey, because the women are not like the Egyptian women and they're vigorous and they give birth for the midwives can even get there. I'm thinking that probably didn't really happen. I'm just thinking. I, I, you know, I don't have an answer for that theologically, if I'm honest. Like, did God, because the next thing says that, that God blessed the midwives and he established their households. I think because they did the right thing and they did it with savvy, God still covered them. Man, I don't know about you, I've seen births, like this whole people giving birth quickly. Birth is slow. It's effective, isn't it? But birth is generally slow. Rare occasions it happens fast. Most births I've seen, they're slow. Like I've had friends call me, hey, my wife's in labor. Come on down to the hospital. I'm like, see you tomorrow. <laughs> like I'm not going right now because I don't want to stay the night in the hospital. I want to show up when the baby's there. That's the way Bert, but they're saying, hey, but God blesses the midwives for not murdering the babies and he establishes them. So Pharaoh's like, okay, well, that's not good enough. So verse 22, he says, hey, every son that's born, cast it into the Nile, every son under two years old. Wow, man, could you imagine what that would be like? You're a mama, man, like mamas, talk to me. If anybody came to you and said, throw your kid two years old into the river, let him drown. No, that ain't happening, is it? You're like, well, no, not, not for most of my kids, but there's this one that bugs me. I threaten them. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. No one's drowning anybody. That would never happen. But that's what you've got. And, and if they don't do it, the, the edict is that the, the parents would get killed for not doing it. Well, Moses, this is the time Moses shows up on the scene. So again, like I said, kind of surveying, telling you the story. Now we're in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of the house of Levi. The woman conceived, she bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she, set, she hid him for three months. Man, I, uh, you know, help me, Eric Mina. Could you hide that little thing for three months and have nobody hear it? <laughs> She's gorgeous, but it's not going to happen. You're not going to hide a baby for three months and not have anybody know. It says, but when they could hide him no longer. Now this, man, you talk about a mama. This is, whew. She put him in a wicker basket, covered it with tar and pitch. She put the child into the, and set him among the reeds, put him in, in it, and then set him among the reeds on the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what had happened. Now, now this is Moses, this would be Miriam. So his, his mama had a daughter, Miriam, and she's watching from afar to see, like, what's going to happen to Moses? What's going to happen to this baby that, that mom just put in the water? So, so we know the story. I mean, most of you have been around your Bible. Well, well, Pharaoh's daughter goes down to take a bath. And she's got servant girls all around. She says to one of the servant girls, hey, what's a basket over there in the reeds? Why don't you go grab it? And she goes and grabs it. She says, there's a baby in it. 
And when she sees the baby, she takes it back to Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter has compassion, like, oh, man, this must be one of the little Hebrew kids that my daddy said drown. And she feels bad for it. Now, what's wild is Miriam's right there. So she says, well, why don't we take care of it? And Miriam, Moses' sister, says, well, did you want me to go get somebody to, to, to nurse the baby? And she goes, yeah, that'd be a great idea. So who do you think Miriam went to go get? Her mom. Her mom. So now you've got Moses being, watch, watch, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So listen, listen, this is for those of you who are adopted in the room. Man, Moses was adopted. The greatest leader ever in Israelite history was adopted. You're like, say what? Yeah, because some of you are like, man, I'm adopted. My life's terrible. My parents gave up on me. They kicked me to the curb. Others of you are like, man, somebody picked me. It's wonderful. I, I get those varying stories. Reality is this. You've got to understand this about Moses. That man was adopted. Don't think small of, of somebody taking you in and taking care of you. Man, it's just crazy. So it says of Moses that he grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. She named him Moses, and, and she named him that because he was drawn. Moses means drawn. He was drawn out of the water. So Moses, greatest leader. This guy's adopted. So, man, if you think your childhood was messy, just measure it up against, you know, Moses's. As we keep going, you're going to go, man, mine's not as messy as his. I don't think. Most of you are not going to measure up to how messy. And listen, God still chose him. God still used him. God still called him. So listen, this is what I'm saying to you. God is always the same. Some of you think, yeah, that happened for Moses, but that was for Moses. That was for other leaders. That's for other people. What about you? See, when you ask this question, who am I? Is God saying anything about you? Like, listen, listen, let me speak to your heart for a second. You're encourage you a little bit. Some of you are sitting in the room and say, God, I never used me like that. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how many dumb things I've done. I've been divorced. I've been remarried. I've made mistakes. I got babies out of wedlock passing my whole life's a mess. I've dealt drugs. I've sold drugs. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the map. And some of you are like, I'm not that bad. I'm just not good. I just named some really bad. Some of you are like, whoo, I ain't in that category. I ain't never dealt no drugs. I'm good. But what about if you're just not good? You're just generally out for yourself. You're selfish, full of pride. What if it's sins that all of us deal with instead of something really, really big? See, listen, God's always the same. He's immutable. He never changes. And he loves you. And he'll look at whatever your journey is and then bring you to where he wants you to be. Because everybody has a destiny. Everybody has a calling. Everybody. Look at somebody say, you're an everybody. You're an everybody. Go on, do it. I know we, you guys hate it when I do that. Say, you're an everybody and you have a destiny. You have a destiny. God has placed a destiny on every single person. So, so listen, let, let, me, let me say it this way. God created you, sense a destiny, and, and this is the things that I've seen that often shut it down. Again, this is just an introductory message, just going to give you a couple points. We're going to go home in a second. So, so these are the things that I've seen that shut down destiny in people. First thing is this, is, is failure. You make a mistake and you think, Done. By, by the way, how many of you guys have ever tried something new and made a mistake? Can we all get our hands up right now? Like, I was a pretty good athlete at the end of it, but when I started, I was terrible. Like, let, let me put it to you this way. I played baseball and football growing up. The, my first year in baseball, my first year in football, I was the most improved player. You know what that means? I was the worst on the team that got better. That's what that means. But I got a trophy for it. How cool is that? L listen, all of us fail. How about this? How about does, does sin hinder you from realizing who you're supposed to be? Yeah. 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 Uh, for every single one of us? I, I think that. What, what about your own insecurities? Oh, man, that's a big one, isn't it? I'm not smart enough, not fat. I'm too old. Uh, incidentally, when, when we're going to get here in a second, but when Moses repositions, or God repositions Moses, he's 80. Whoa. 80. 80's old, isn't it? Some of you in the room are like, you better shut up, Pastor. 80 ain't that old. I'm creeping up on it. So you're like, I'm 80 already. Not in God's eyes. 80 is not old. Moses is just starting the journey. Like, I was giving God this excuse about, about a month ago. Oh, man, like, I'm 57 now. 57's old, isn't it? 
That's somebody older than me saying that. No, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm playing. But, but I found myself going, like making excuses instead of saying, God, what's the next season? What do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do? I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'll say yes. Just lead me. Just show me. And I see Marty raising hand. Brother man, how old are you now? No. 77 in another week. You'll be 77 in a week. Okay, I'll brag on Marty for a second. You guys remember the Scarlet Thread? The, my wife worked with the girls, and Maria worked with the girls, and they, they did the presentation. Lily did the speaking. The girls acted. It was awesome. We did an event in here. You know who was here till the last chair was put back? Marty. Some of you young people, you pooped out before the 77-year-old guy. He was kicked. He's killing it. So don't tell me you're too old. You're not. Because he wasn't, and he showed me up, and yeah, anyways, let's keep going. Your own insecurities. What about other people? Other people telling you you can't do it. Other people telling you you'll fail. So don't, don't worry. I'm going to give you some nuggets to take home. I, I'm just kind of laying some groundwork. See, listen, you need to start thinking like this. God lives in you. Watch. God lives in you. Watch. So greatness is in you. No, no. Look at somebody say, greatness is in you. Be Bella? Well, I know I'm your daddy, but there's greatness in you. I mean that with all my heart. I know, Michael, I think there's greatness in you too, but right now it's Bella's moment. Bella, there's greatness. I'm serious. Like I look and I go, man, God, you surrender to God, he'll use your life and he'll do it powerfully. By the way, that's true of all of us. You're great because God is. So just walk with him, believe him. Don't keep shrinking back and giving yourself excuses not to go where he's calling you to go. You know, I, I want to start by just saying, like, what can we learn from Moses? Just this morning, what can we learn from Moses? How, how about this? How about this? Don't get ahead of God. Now, this is going to be kind of running through chapter two, touching a little chapter three. Next week, we're going to get into the I am statement. So, so don't get ahead of God because Moses does this. So, so let's do this together. Moses is now, he, he's growing up and hold on, let me see what verse I'm in. I wrote a verse number here. So said I read the right one. Verse 11, verse 11. It says, now it came about in those days, actually, so that you guys understand between verse 10 and verse 11 is 40 years. Okay, so that, that's kind of a big deal. So Moses was a child, and now he's an adult. Came about in those days, verse 11, when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren, and he looked on their hard labor. So Moses is starting to realize, like, hey, I'm not an Egyptian. I dress like one, and I look like one, and my stepmama's one, but I'm not an Egyptian. And he's looking, and he's like, now I'm thinking, I'm just you know, inserting into the text. I could be wrong. This is just my opinion. But I'm thinking his Hebrew mama who was in his ear all the time was telling him stuff like this. Hey, Moses, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. And he's like, but, but I'm living in Pharaoh's court. I'm living large. Like, I got good clothes. I'm wealthy. I'm safe. And he understands, man, I've got a calling. Got a calling says that he looked on their hard labor and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew who was one of his brethren, verse 12. And he says, so he looked this way and that. And, and when he saw that no one was around, he struck down the Egyptian. He hit him in the sand. Can you say murder? Just murdered the guy. Now, now mind you, you, you got to get a sense that Moses was somebody who was called. Like, don't forget that part. But do, is he handling his calling properly right now? No. Somebody say no. Okay, so verse 13 says, so he went out the next day and behold, two Hebrews are fighting. Oh, uh-oh. Uh -oh. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? He said to him, who made you prince and judge over us? Like I said, other people will often question your calling. Now I got a question for you. Was Moses a prince and was he a judge? The answer is yes. Just not yet. That, that's it. He's ahead of his time. Don't get ahead of God. He, are you intending to kill us just like you did the Egyptian? So Moses is afraid. Surely the matter has become known. He's scared now. So what does he do? He books it to Midian. Thinks I'm going to get out of here because if nobody knows who I am or where I am, I'm just going to go do the next thing. And, and, and I won't get judged or killed for doing it. So, so verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of the matter, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and he settled in the land of Midian and he sat down by the well. 
Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water, filled the troughs to water with their flock. Um, then the shepherds came and they drove them away. But watch this. But Moses stood up and he helped them and he watered their flock. So when they came to well, their father, which later you're going to find his name is Jethro, who he shows up in the story multiple times. He said, why have you come back so soon today? And they said to him, um, an Egyptian, by the way, is Moses an Egyptian? What do he look like, though? <laughs> Uh-oh. Got problems going on, doesn't he? Listen, some of you are Christians, um, but you look like somebody worldly. Oh, dang. Did you just really say that, Pastor? I ain't trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to tell you something that you should pay attention to. When people don't know your light, you should question it. Don't mean that to be cutting in the least bit. Moses is booking it from Egypt, but he still looks like an Egyptian. By the way, for those of you who aren't aware of this, Egypt is always in Scripture a type of the world. So Moses looked like any worldly guy showing up. Shows up to Midian, says the Egyptian guy, he delivered us from the shepherds it's in verse 19. And what is more, he even drew water for us and he watered the flock. So he had our back defender delivered. Isn't that Moses' calling? Yeah, it is. And he's a servant. Isn't that Moses? Didn't, didn't God himself say there, there's no servant like Moses? He's the meekest in all the land. You're going to hear that later too. Like you're seeing his calling show up. Listen, your calling will show up. How do you know what your calling is? Often it flows out of you naturally. Like sometimes we want areas in our lives that God has not called us to. And I'm just going to say this, bloom where you are planted. Whatever God has given you to do, do it faithfully. You'll be surprised where he'll put you if you'll just surrender it. So first, don't get ahead of God's plan. Second, don't push weight on God. Remember, you don't want to be killing people to try to get to where you want to go. And now this one is this. Be you. Don't be the Egyptian that Moses looked like. Be who God called you to be. Listen, the biggest danger I see in our culture is we're all trying to fit in. I see it everywhere. I see it, I see it throughout the church. Um, I'm going to pick on some things. You guys okay if I pick on some things? Might mean I'm picking on you. Sure you want me to do it? No, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm teasing with you. I just think sometimes we take worldly things and we put Christian labels over them and we call it God. I think we do it with all sorts of um, Christian liberties. I think we do it with alcohol. I think we do it with sexuality. I think we do it with, heck, we do it with tattoos. We do it with music. We do it with all kinds. By the way, if you have a tattoo, I ain't hating on you. I'm just saying that a lot of times what we do is we try to stamp God over something that's just the world. That's it. By the way, that's not horribly wrong unless it's leading you into sin. So was it horribly wrong for Moses to look like an Egyptian? I just don't think homeboy had found himself yet. He just leaving, running, trying to stay alive. So don't stay there, though. When God, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. Let me be really clear. When God identifies for you an area of your life as worldly, change it. It's really that simple. Don't make excuses. Don't defend yourself. Don't do stuff like this. That's old school. God doesn't think that way anymore. By the way, this is what everybody who lives together says to me. 100%. Not trying to be mean, just telling you what I hear. Don't make justifications when God shows you it's wrong. Make sense? Just say, okay, God, help me go where you're going. And that's so important. See, so Moses is a servant. He, he delivers them. He protects them. He provides. So again, back to Moses. He's an Israelite. He's a Hebrew. He's a, a Levite. He's an Egyptian. He's a murderer. Come on. He's a prince. He's a leader, a deliverer, a servant. He has a baby. He's, he's, about to have a baby. he's, got, he's a husband and a father because the next thing you're going to see is the priest of Midian goes, well, here's my, my daughter's support. Like, why don't you marry her? And he has a couple kids with her. So now, now watch. Like, if you're wondering who Moses is, whether or not you're qualified, this guy is as multicultural as they come. Born Hebrew, raised Egyptian, flees to Midian, marries a woman, has children that are Midianites, and then God calls and says, go lead my people out. This guy's all over the map. So if you think you got problems, hello. And he's the most prolific leader in the Bible. 
Like, you guys got to get a clue. Stop making excuses for what God has called you to do. If you'll say yes, he will do it through you. But listen, I get it. Moses said, who am I? Who am I that you want me to go talk to Pharaoh? I think God might be saying, um, you're his grandson. Remember, like, his daughter adopted you, remember? You, you actually, if you didn't go killing people, you'd be fine. They got out of order. Don't get out of order. See, what you're seeing is all of these like worlds colliding. How many of you guys have colliding worlds? You have things you've done, your history, your past, things that you're happy about, things you're embarrassed about, some things nobody knows, and you want to keep it that way. Don't we all have that? Come on, let's be honest. Don't we all have that? Like, man, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I had a memory of something I did that was evil. Last week, I was driving, and I drove by something. I went, oh, I remember doing that there. Like, and this is what I thought. Don't nobody know I did that. <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to tell anybody because it's embarrassing. No, I wasn't running around naked or nothing weird like that. Either. It was embarrassing. You got, your minds are going all over. Like, wonder what he did. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Okay, so... so Let's, let's pull this together now. Moses is 80. We already talked about this. 80 is too old, right? Okay, yeah, just for the record. He was 40 when he killed the Egyptian. He spends 40 years out in, out in the, the desert tending herds, married to Sipporah, doing watch, doing nothing for God. Super important to say that. Doing what? Nothing. nothing. Because a lot of us go, man, it's been too long. Forget it. Been too long. It's past. Days have gone. It's not going to happen anymore. We'll come up with the reason for why. Or we'll give, give some, but God, I want to be, I want to make more money than that. I want to be wealthy. I don't want to do this because if I do that, I won't get my life the way I want it. And this is what God will say to you. If you'll honor me, just like the midwives, I'll bless you. A lot of times we're trying to get the blessings of God our own way. It doesn't work. If you'll surrender to him, you'll be surprised at what he will do through your life. Okay, so, so now I, I'm going to read a few verses in chapter 3. We're going to wrap this up. I know you're like, wow, you surveyed that pretty fast. It, I did. Chapter 3, verse 1. says, now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel appeared to him in a blazing fire in the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Now, this should be the attitude of your heart. This is important, what I'm about to say to you. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why is this bush not burned up? Listen, if you want to find the call of God on your life, you can't run when it looks scary. Like, keep mystery and curiosity as part of your journey. Like, let, let, let's, let me say it like this. Some of us shut down things that are from God because we're not comfortable with it. I had somebody come and tell me, man, man, I prayed for this guy and he got his sight back. And I'm like, whoo, that's pretty cool. Then I had somebody else come and there were demons. And I'm like, that ain't so cool. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we limit what we think God can and wants to do through us because we're just not comfortable with it. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're out in the middle of nowhere, tending sheep and there's a fire, but nothing's being burned up. Are you like, hey, I'm a little curious. Or are you kind of like, oh, I ain't going nowhere near that. Who knows what that is? Listen, my encouragement to you is be like, i got to go see. I have to go figure out what it is that I'm observing. Listen, God honors curiosity. I, and I didn't say recklessness, by the way. He wants us to be curious about him and discover him. When it says, I must turn aside now, literally that means turn aside and pray. I've got to figure out, God, are you in this thing? There's a bush burning up. This doesn't make what? Doesn't. Incidentally, if God actually calls you, most of it won't make sense. You're like, I don't like that. And I don't know. None of us do. None of us do. 
We want it all controlled, don't we? We want to know there's enough money to do it. We want to know there's opportunity. We want to know the bugs ain't too big. Right, Bella? Bugs ain't too big. <laughs> she actually said to me the other day, man, I was talking to a friend of mine. He said, make sure you look in your shoes so there's no spiders in them. But you know what? In Australia, that, that's actually real. You should check your shoes. Wow. Uh, you just got to be careful. You know, so what's stopping you? I mean, seriously, and not preaching, what's stopping you? What stops you from saying yes to God? All of us have them. Incidentally, all of us have them. All of us have them. I have them. You have them. We have them. There's areas that God says, step into it. There's times he says, give, be generous. And we're like, no, because I want this amount of money in the bank all the time, God. And he says, well, you think I can't replenish it? Oh, my gosh. All the time, man, I think any time I say no to God, he's like, serious? You really think it's yours anyways? Uh, you know, be really candid right now. But what's stopping you from taking the step with God? Because you like your time too much? You don't want to give up your time? You like your world? You like your profession, your job? You like your identity, your house, your car? What, what's yours? I don't know what yours is. Selfishness, pride, arrogance, lust. I don't, we all have them. I don't know what yours is. This is what I trust, that when I say stuff like that, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Because it's not what I think yours is, it's what God thinks yours is. And that's hard to listen to sometimes. And he's just saying, man, listen, will you do this thing and pursue me and be curious? Will, will you turn aside when there's bushes burning? Heck, will you even look for things that are out of the ordinary so you can discover that I'm a God of mystery? Yeah, the Bible defines mysteries like the gospel is defined as a mystery. You ever try to explain the Trinity to somebody? It's a mystery. Well, it's like an egg and there's a shell and there's an egg white and there's, there. no, it's not. It's really not. It's like water, it's solid, it's frozen, it's getting, no, it's, it's really not. It's really like he's God and he's a mystery. You ever tried to define eternity to somebody? Incidentally, it's another mystery. How do you explain timelessness to people who live within time? Oh, when I die, I'm going to be with God forever. There's no forever. Eternity is. I can't even explain it to you and I want to right now. See, sometimes we've got to be okay with the mystery. We've got to be okay with the mystery. God, what are you up to? How are you leading me? I want to discover it. See, when, when the, the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, then he does this with Moses. He says, Moses, Moses. You've got to love this. How many of you guys have ever had God say, James, James? I'm not playing with you. He did that with me last night when I was stressing out about Bella going. And he just said to me, James, you spent all of her life raising her for this day. Celebrate it. Don't get all emotional and boo, my daughter's moving away. Yeah, she is. And she's coming back. But man, I, like, I just felt like he checked me like, watch, she was never yours to own, James. She was yours to raise. And then I also felt like he said this to me, good job. By the way, Heather, good job. We raised a good kid. Actually, we raised three good kids, but right now we're celebrating Bella. Anyways, let's keep going. So, so listen, keep the mystery in there. Keep pursuing God. God saw that Moses turned aside and he said, Moses, Moses, then Moses does this. I'm here, God. Listen, what do you want to do with my life? Listen, if you're interested in always being comfortable, you will never fulfill the call of God on your life. Just telling you straight up, because God will take you out of your comfort to fulfill in you what he desires. Then he said, man, Moses, don't come near me because, listen, remove your sandals because the place that you're standing is holy ground. What I love about Moses is he revered and understood enough of God that he did it. Go. Man, we were in the desert yesterday. We went off-roading, and we're out in the middle, and they're like cactus everywhere and big rocks. I'm thinking, man, he's in the middle of the desert barefoot. What's he going to step on? I mean, how is that holy? Help me. <laughs> that, that's how I would. And Moses didn't do that. Moses went, what? Oh, wait, God's in the room? Oh, heck yeah, let's go. God's in the room. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean. I apologize, guys. <laughs> Woohoo! got my socks on. I'll get those later. 
I hope they don't smell bad. <laughs> but seriously, like he just kicked him off. He honored God. He said yes to what God was saying to do. Listen, when God is calling you with a holy reverence, respond with a surrendered heart. That's what we learned from Moses. He didn't say, take out, that's stupid. You know what? If, if, man, I'm just being honest with you. For all the times I've said to God, I think that's stupid. Somebody grab my shoes for me right now. So for those of you online, you can't see it, but my shoes are coming back. Hey, aren't you going to put them on? No, I'm playing. No, I'm really playing. Really playing. He didn't do that. He didn't say God's way was stupid. He didn't do that, did he? He just took off his shoes. And he said, man, God, what are you up to? And then watch, watch, watch. Verse 6, let's continue on. It says, he said to him, listen, Moses, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he, he was afraid to look at God. There's reverence. Like, listen, church, I love you. I think sometimes we are so casual with the holiness of God that, that we just miss the mark massively. And I listen, I get it. Like, there's times where God wants community, but there are times where it is reverent. There are times where it is, God, you're God, and I'm not. Like, I'm just going to sit and listen. Man, and he says, man, I'm the God of your fight. And Moses hit, hit his face. He's just afraid. Verse 7, he says, then the Lord said to him, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. By the way, if you're afflicted, God sees it. He's not ignorant to it. There were lots of times through the last few years when it was hard. I'm like, God, man, don't you see this? Don't you? It's not fair. This isn't right. My landlord didn't give me my pet deposit back. Why? The house burned. The pet didn't do nothing. No, seriously. And I wanted to go get it. My wife's like, honey, leave it. No, my money. Just leave it alone, honey. Obviously, I haven't yet. So let's keep going. <laughs> I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. God sees your affliction. He knows your struggle. And I've given heed to their cry and because of the taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. Oh, man. He is aware. Verse 8, he says, so I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land that is good and spacious. Listen, God has a promise for you. The title of this whole series is Journey to Promise. God led them to the promised land. He's going to lead you to what promised land is for you. I don't know what God's destiny is for you, but I do know this. If you walk in it, you will be fulfilled. I'm positive of that. I'm going to lead you to a land that's good and it's spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I've seen their oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, Moses, come now. I'll send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, who am I? Listen, listen. This is every one of us in the room. You have to understand this. If God has called you, it's God the one who appoints you. It's God is the one who anoints you. And it's God is the one who sends you. If you try to make your own way, find your own place, it won't work. It won't work. You'll be frustrated, and all the people working with you will be as well. You ever done ministry with somebody who's not in the spot they're supposed to be in? They're annoying, and you're annoyed by them. <laughs> ever worked with somebody that's not in the role? Like, I worked with a guy one time. He was a great employee. He got promoted to boss. He was an awful boss. Awful. Like, the power went to his head. He was kind of a jerk. And like, I remember saying to him one time, like, dude, don't you remember when you were one of us? He's a mom, not anymore. I'm like... They never should have promoted that guy. Listen, you've you got to remember, you got to remember that it's God who appoints. It's God who anoints. It's God who sends. God says to Moses, listen, I am going to send you. And Moses, man, oh my God. Listen, listen to me. Do not let your feelings dictate what God is asking you to do. 
you'll never reach what he's called you to do. Listen, you'll never experience a blessing of what he wants to do through your life for other people. And I can tell you firsthand with lots of experience, I've had years and years of that, that privilege is just watching God use my life to bless people. I just kind of go, man, it's just amazing that I get to do what I do. Listen, some of you are watching it, and I'm not saying I'm great. That Please understand, I'm not promoting James. I'm say, promoting God that he will work through your life if you'll let him. That's what I'm promoting. And I go around the room, people who serve, people who, I mean, these two ran the Guatemala team. Is it amazing that God used you that way? Or are you like, wow, never thought you'd do it. They're both just smirking because they're quiet people. I know them. I know they feel honored and blessed. That's the same thing that sits right in front of you. And Moses says to God, who am I? Okay, listen, listen. I'm going to wrap up right now. We all face insecurity. Everybody in the room face insecurity? Everybody? I'm good, but I'm not that good. I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. I used to be fast, but I'm not fast anymore. Whatever it is, intellect, skill, understanding, doesn't matter what it is. All of us feel like we come up a little bit short. We all face this, our history. Anybody in the room ever made a mistake? Hey, man, you ain't murdered any Egyptians lately, have you? (laughs) Moses did. Most of us have not gone there. Moses did. Made mistakes? Yeah, sometimes we let our history dictate that we can't fulfill what God has called us to do. What about just, just life? How many of y'all face life? Come on, this is everybody in the room? You face life. Life can be cruddy sometimes, difficult, can it? And then we get into our head and we think, man, there's no way, God, there's no way. There's just what? No way. No way. And God is saying, "Uh uh-uh, that is not what I say about you. I say, if you're willing, I'll do it. So listen, don't get ahead of God in due time. If it's God, he'll anoint you, he'll appoint you, he'll send you. What my encouragement to you is this, and this I'm going to close to pray. I'm going to pray that you hear what God's spirit is saying to you. Because ultimately, you want to hear his direction and then walk in it. Because the scriptures are abundantly clear that the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. I don't want to go where God's not. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. I'll send you out of here. Father, thank you for this morning, for worship for the time of praying over Bella, for the time in the word, and just trying to grab a few things that we look at, and we're going to go way deeper next week. But God, I pray that it challenges us to not make excuses for you calling us. God, I pray that the curiosity and the mystery that was in Moses, that you would put that in us, that we would want to discover something outside of our norm, outside of our comfort, that God, you would press us to trust you by faith in the places that you're leading us, calling us, guiding us. God, we trust that even when it seems upside down and crazy, and we're going to see lots of that in the story to come, that you're going to keep saying to Moses, I'm with you. Over and over, I'm with you. And God is saying this to you in the room, I am with you. So God, give us the grace to sense and hear, and give us the, the authority and the power to follow and obey. God, we're grateful for the time this morning as we go off and we go watch football and we hang out with friends and we enjoy family. God, I pray that you would bless our speech, our thought, but intermingle in our lives and help us to discover the next season of what you have for each one of us. We ask this in the name that's above all names. That's the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, God bless you guys. Have an amazing Sunday. 